1: You are Locked On Washington Football Team, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: You are locked on the Washington Football Team with the Locked On Washington Football Team Podcast. I'm David Harrison, Washington Football Team, writer for SI.com. He is Chris Russell, one half of the Russell and Medner Show on Team 980, Monday through Friday from 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern and on the Odyssey app. We thank you, Washington football team fans, for making this show your first listen every single day. We are free and available on all platforms. We're also on Twitter at Russellmania621, at DHarrison82, and at Pod. Thank you again for making the Locked on Washington football team podcast your first listen every day. On this episode, we're going over some big Retirement ceremony news that dropped on Thursday and we're going to get into our predictions and we're going to catch up in our voicemails. going to be a little bit of a voicemail rush. If you want to call that kind of like rushing a frat, there's going to be a whole lot of action happening all at one time. But we're going to catch up on all the calls uh, that you guys have been sending in because we greatly appreciate them. But, Chris, let's start off with the news of the day dropping on Thursday. Sean Taylor uh, easily, I think I think most people would agree, would have been one of the best safeties to ever play in the National Football League had his life not being tragically cut short. Uh, his jersey, is going, his number is going to be retired on Sunday in FedEx Field while the uh, the Washington football team takes on the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I know you obviously have been covering this team longer than I have, so I'm sure you have some thoughts on it. I, I went back actually through some Twitter timelines and saw uh, some stories that you had done related to Sean Taylor after his passing or anything. So, again, you're a lot more connected to it than I am. So I'm going to let you obviously take the lead here in this conversation.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, appreciate, uh, David, um, you know, I didn't get to cover Sean on an everyday basis, uh, or in person. Uh, so let me start there. Uh, I came into the organization, uh, a year after he passed. Um, so, you know, all I got to do learn about him, uh, you know, I, 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 I Talked about him, and I moved here the year that he actually was murdered. Um, I talked about him a lot on the radio, uh, both nationally and locally, uh, but, again, didn't get to cover him on a day-in, day-out basis. I don't have that personal kind of connection directly to Sean, but so many of the guys that I covered and got to know, from Santana Moss uh, to Clinton Portis to LeVar Arrington – And so many others obviously speak incredibly, incredibly, incredibly uh, deep and passionate about Sean's legacy. And one thing that I would say is there is nothing, there is nothing that this fan base holds more near and dear than the legacy of Sean Taylor. Nothing. No charitable work, no nothing. No person, no individual, no coach, no – I mean – you, you say the three Super Bowl championships, and I, obviously that is, you know, the, the franchise's history and lineage. And I get Joe Gibbs, obviously, a huge part of that. But G, but Sean Taylor, because of the tragic nature, is it. And the memory and the legacy. And uh, I feel bad that this has become a big deal nationally and especially locally because a lot of fans are upset. David, I don't know how you feel about this. The organization decided, you know, 72-ish hours before kickoff and the ceremony on Sunday to announce it when they've known for weeks that they were doing it on this particular Sunday. Uh, And a lot of fans are upset that they sold their tickets already, that they don't have time to make plans to come up if they were coming from out of state or out of the area, uh, that... Why are they doing this with no notice, no ability to schedule? And listen, I would tell you this. The decision to announce it today, meaning Thursday, is a bad one, and they know it. I've talked to people, very important people behind the scenes. They know they made a mistake. They know they should have done it differently. They didn't know it at the time, but they know it now. Um, They were taken totally aback by the criticism uh, and by the Fuhrer. and, the, and, and, and look, that's their mistake, and they have to now live with it. Um, oh. They're not going to cancel it, I don't think. They're, you know, they're not going to reschedule it like a lot of people want them to do. Uh, the damage is done, uh, and it's not going to change a lot of people's mind. The one thing that I would just add real quickly is this was not done this week. Mm-hmm. This was not done this week to cover up all the bad news. And everybody knows what the bad news is and right. the bad news never stops and it's not going to stop. And it's always going to happen. This was not just, Hey, like let's call Pedro Taylor and, and Sean T's daughter on Tuesday and get, let's get them mm-hmm. up here. No, no, no. That's not how this worked. This has been planned for weeks. Why it wasn't announced until now yeah. I was told it was supposed to be announced earlier this week. However, they did they wanted to avoid exactly what has happened now, which is everybody pointing a finger and saying, how can you announce this trying to take away the, the, the negative and use Sean T's legacy yeah. um, it, you know, to try and turn the positive and to try and sell tickets and to try and get away from the bad news? The problem now is they still have that and they have people that are like, wait, I want to go. I want to be there. Yeah. I love Sean Taylor and I can't get there. Because you gave me no notice. So every part of this is a really tough situation. The organization made a mistake in terms of the timing. There's a hundred things they could have done better. Um, They'll continue to learn. I'm not excusing them. I do understand some of what they were dealing with. Uh, Again, this was supposed to be earlier this week. It should have been, quite honestly, two weeks ago, a week ago, mm-hmm. two months ago, whatever it it is. They were afraid that the game and the weekend would, would would go sideways because of things out of their control. So that's why they held on. They didn't want to interrupt breast cancer awareness last week against New Orleans. They didn't want to interrupt and take the shine away from Bobby Mitchell. So I think their heart was kind of in the right place, but their mm-hmm. head, quite honestly – their, their thought process didn't make a whole lot of sense in my eyes.
2: Yeah. I, look, I always had a saying when I was in the military, good motivation, bad execution, right? And, and that's mm-hmm. I think that's really what it boils down to. And look, the team put out a public or a, a, a press release, and I, I want to read a quote here from uh, Jason Wright, the team president. He said, quote, I came into the NFL the same year as Sean Taylor, and immediately his athletic ability, resilience, grit, and relentless work ethic set him apart. I and many others looked to him. As a role model, the fact that he was tragically taken so early hurt our player community, but also our fans, coaches and staff. We will continue to remember him and hold him up as an example of professionalism and an excellence. And we will all strive to mirror his excellence in our own ways. And quote, and look, I wasn't even covering football when Sean Taylor died. I was just a, a casual you know, football fan, maybe a little bit more, less casual than some casual football fans uh, by people who knew me back then and had football arguments with me in the moments. Um but even I, and I think every fan, you know, around the NFL at the time understood uh, the impact of, of not, obviously not just you know a young life taken way too soon, and especially in such a senseless way, a uh, family losing you know an influential part of their their organization, or their, of their infrastructure, and then of course uh, what was happening to the Washington franchise in the game of football, just a loss on so many uh, different levels. Um, so to see Sean being honored and have his number retired, I think is well deserved. Um I you know I and I think it's a great thing for the organization to do the timing is terrible and you know that's kind of one of the first things that kind of popped into my head um again I've been covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for 7 years I've seen them put people in the ring of honor I've seen them you know bring Super Bowl teams back to celebrate their anniversaries and stuff like that those things and and every organization is completely different so you have to take everything with a grain of salt um that's kind of why I was wondering if this was the norm for this franchise again it's my first season covering this team, which uh, we'll get to a caller in a minute who who very uh, clearly states that. But um, <laughs> uh, those yeah. things are announced in the summer. Like we knew in the summer that Monty Kiffin was going into the Buccaneers right. Ring of Honor right. and that they were going to honor him uh, when John Gruden went into the Ring of Honor. Now, obviously, he's out of the Ring of Honor. We knew that was going to be happening, like all of these things. John Lynch, Rondé Barber. Uh, I mean, I remember during training camp, I was at the press conference for Rondé Barber's uh, Ring of Honor enshrinement when the enshrinement wasn't even happening for two more months. Like that's what I'm used to. And, you know, every, every organization is different. You know, I mean, it, you know, you don't know how these decisions are made But Washington, you know, obviously they made a mistake, but they also missed out on a great opportunity to essentially honor Sean Taylor for the entire seat. Like they could have put a 21 patch on their jerseys this season and announced this during the summer. And, you know, it just kind of be a thing that they kind of ring the bell for the entire year, not just in week six, but listen, uh, I, I agree with you, Chris. You know, the decisions were made with the best intentions. That doesn't take away the hurt. That doesn't take away the anger. Uh, but I'm glad that you specified and clarified at least to our listeners. Um, and hopefully you guys, look, if you hear people talking about it, see people tweeting about it, shoot them, you know, shoot them what we said. Don't, you don't just quote it from yourself, you know, but, you know, but just pass on the information. Look, this wasn't, and oh no, we have bad press. What can we do to make it, you know, covered up? That wasn't uh, the inspiration here. The inspiration is good. Um, it just, you know, very, very poorly executed we will we will all agree on that but Chris um that's gonna happen in football sometimes it happens in in all phases of life sometimes you try to do the best you can and sometimes the decisions you make don't come Mm -hmm. out the way you want them to and nobody knows that better than my bet online account which got almost completely wiped last weekend with the uh, the wagers that I made over at betonline.ag but look that's that's what that's the risk you get from playing the game right but no matter what bet online is my and it's our listeners number one spot for pro and college football action this season they've got a new updated site interface more odds props and contests than ever before Bet online continues to be the number one source for everything football so head over there if you're not already a member Sign up when you make your first deposit use the promo code locked on and you'll get a 50 welcome bonus bonus on that deposit whether you're looking to put money on football basketball boxing your ve- your favorite vegas casino games whatever it is don't wait take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021 season Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts.
1: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.
0: All right, this is the Locked On Washington football team podcast along with David Harrison. I'm Chris Russell. You can follow David at D harrison 82 at Russellmania621, the pod at Lock WFT pod. David, I know, uh, you know, we, we have so many shows and so much content and so much controversy going on that sometimes we get a little bit behind in our voicemail. So my understanding yeah. is uh, we patch together, you patched together, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of our listeners' voicemails uh, kind of into one big happy bunch or maybe not so happy bunch uh, right now. So we're going to hear from some of them.
2: Yeah, so I'm calling them mashups or voicemail mashups, guys. So I kind of grouped them by theme. There's one overarching theme in this, this first batch. So it's going to be longer than our usual voicemail run just because it is multiple people, and I wanted to get your voices in there uh, as much as I could. So we're going to start off here with this first group of voicemails uh, talking about, Chris, the, the coaching staff.
3: Hey there, uh, this is Gerald from New York. I've been a follower since the 80s. I'm a big fan. What exactly is going on in that locker room? I can't put my finger on it. I honestly think that something must have happened between coaches and players. They're not on the same page. There must have been a rift somewhere. Do you think that Ron is actually changing the culture of this team? Hey guys at WFT. This is Daniel from Virginia. And, uh Chris, I don't blame you for that harsh criticism that you gave uh to the whole team. I mean, it's ridiculous. I don't I don't I really don't know where we go from here. I mean we got Casey next week, we got some tough tough opponents coming up. I I, I don't I don't know where we come from here. What do you guys think? Uh they do, do fellas come young here. Yo, I understand what y'all saying about game-changing and all that, and I, I, after watching the game, I do see that, that that will be uh, bad, but that's not saying that some kind of adjustments ain't needed. And then, being, yeah, uh, calling the players out, definitely, but I'm not ready to let Jack Del Rio off the hook either. All right. Oh, I was just wondering, Jack Del Rio, hey, hey, hey. that hook defense, it's like he almost, like, can put the bright people in position. It's like he won't. I don't understand. How can you go to one to next to last and defense in one year? It's impossible. It's like he's trying to sabotage this team. Can we get rid of him, please?
0: All right. So we got a lot to react to there. Um, there is this notion, uh, and I think it was Gerald that brought this up, that there is you know this huge divide between players and coaches and what's going on in the locker room. And listen, I can't tell you that there isn't a lot of frustration. Of course there is. Um, And I'm sure the players are not happy that the coaching staff, specifically Ron, continuously points the blame at them. Uh, That being said, Um, I don't know if there's a rift as much as there's just frustration. And when you are frustrated and massively frustrated and getting your clock cleaned, yeah, that could lead potentially to a rift. So we're going to have to watch this as we go along. I don't think there's some major divide, major rift. I think it's more just frustration. But I will say this. I'm, you know, maybe I'm naive. I'm much more of a coach's guy than a player's guy, or I blame more on the players, just like I credit the players more when they win and when they play well. I, I, you know, like coaching is a part of the NFL. I got it. It's part of football. It's not the main part of football, like many fans and many media members want to be, good or bad. So to me, this is on the players. There's some things that the coaches are tweaking. They've already tweaked them. This is on the players to communicate better and to figure it out quickly.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, you know, as far as like changing cultures and all that stuff goes, I'll tell you that uh, when you have a losing culture and you have a dysfunctional culture, it takes, it takes more than just bringing in a guy. And even if it's the right guy, it takes time uh, to kind of fix that kind of stuff. I can, I can, one thing I can tell you is Jack Del Rio is not tanking this team, you know, and, and I don't know if the caller literally meant sabotaging as in intentionally doing, you know, bad things. Uh, to hurt the team. But if that is the case, then no, uh, that's not what's yeah. happening. But um Chris, yeah, so that, something that, that, didn't...
0: that notion, no offense is completely absurd. So I'm glad you said that.
2: Yeah. And, and uh, speaking of offense, actually so Camion and I, and I took it out of the voicemail line just because of the, the time limit, but uh on mentioned, you know, that some fans might get offended by your saying, you know, if you don't think the defense has tried new things, then you're not just, you're just not watching the game and Camion and fish and then followed on saying, you know, he has noticed some new things happening um but that it's not enough and I, and I would think that we can clarify that Camion I think what Chris was speaking to and obviously Chris you can speak for yourself as well but if I'm if I'm wrong but I think what Chris is talking about is if you think that this defense is coming out the exact same for the last 5 weeks and doing right. the exact same things for the last 5 weeks then you're not just pay, you're just not paying attention Camion you mentioned yourself you had seen them trying new things it's just still not enough, and I think all of us can agree that it's still not enough.
0: No, I, I would agree with Cammy on that it's not enough. Clearly, the results and, and the miscommunication and the lack of uh, of anything close to a good performance tell you that, uh, whether it's personnel, scheme, combination, what have you. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. I, I guess, yeah, and sometimes I get a little harsh with my criticism. <laughs> you know, I, I just think that sometimes fans – you know i have a hard time maybe you have a hard time david seeing schematic changes Mm -hmm. unless they're so obvious but they have tried to more do more of the five man front the five you know the buffalo nickel the 515 um you know different things they might even you know move around bobby mccain and kendall fuller in this week who knows Mm -hmm. i i don't know exactly what they're gonna do we won't know until we get to sunday but clearly they're not dumb they're not stupid. They know it's not working. They're limited to some degree. They could bring back a Jeremy Reeves or bring up a Jeremy Reeves, but I don't know if that completely solves it. He's not a pencil eraser like we talked about earlier in the week.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, uh, speaking of harsh criticisms, Chris, let's hear from, uh, from our guy LP out in New Jersey. You know, <clears throat>
3: this is LP in New Jersey. You know, I said – last week that uh, healthy discord is good and, and all that stuff, and, and it's true. I do. I, I appreciate uh, differences of opinion, but I, I'm actually just listening to your analysis of the game. David, specifically to you. You don't have to air this. This is fine. I just need you to hear this because i, I got to be honest, man. You're like a, a, a draftist and, uh, and a pedigreeist. You're like blaming this game on Taylor. I'm not saying Taylor Heineke is great. He's not. He's average right now. Right now, he's averaging. He 1-2, he lost. He's average. Okay, he's young, experienced, making foolish mistakes. I'm not saying he's great, he should be the end that is not the point of what I'm about to say to you. But you're seems like you're blaming this team on the guy. This team was supposed to be built, I don't know if you know this, on average quarterback play and average offense. Because it was all put into the defense. All first round picks, right? Paying guys fourteen million. The defense was supposed to carry the team. All you were supposed to have was mediocrity at offense. That's why you hire Fitzpatrick, who you're in love with, for whatever reason, I don't know. Like, he was going to all of a sudden, at 39, become great. I knew you were excited to see, and you kept saying it all the time. You think he would be that much better than Taylor? I don't think so. He does just as many stupid things. But you're pinning it all on the guy, and it's ridiculous. man. It really is Ridiculous. I'm sorry. I think your analysis is completely off. you got every week this defense getting torched. People wide open every week. And I didn't hear your defensive analysis yet. I just got so aggravated at your offensive analysis. It's ridiculous. Now, I you pay to analyze him. but You don't analyze him against Mahomes, who's calling interceptions too, by the way, and making stupid mistakes, because that's what you do. You make stupid mistakes. Nobody's perfect. Maybe we don't have time. So what do we do? We get a, we get a rookie? And then some rookie that we get next year, we got to develop him, right? Then nobody comes in and starts throwing 50 touchdowns. I'm sorry, buddy. It's just, I, I think you're off. I still respect you. I'll still listen. I love you. I just think you're really off on this, man. Hello, fellas. LP again. I left you a pretty, sc- David, a pretty scathing uh, voicemail last night. But I want to show you that I am uh, man enough to display the other side, meaning uh, I listen to your Tuesday morning one, and I got to be honest, it was a very uh, thoughtful uh, analysis of Taylor. I never even thought of, of, of that perspective, you know, a, a, about, you know, making sure he's making the right read and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I really thought you were just kind of going one way uh, yesterday, and it you know, was really I don't know, frustrating to hear uh, because I don't put the loss on that guy, you know what I mean? Uh, it's it not a good performance, and I, you know, all that kind of stuff, but Whatever. So I, I, I wanted to compliment you. It was a very thoughtful, uh, analysis and, uh, glad also to see you coming around on Colin. Just really, you know, I, I, I don't want to trash the guy, but I'm tired of seeing the back of his jersey, which is what I feel like I see. And Rooster, I don't know how anybody dislikes you, brother. I heard that guy's voicemail. It uh, doesn't make sense to me. Have a good day. <laughs>
0: david i'm gonna let you respond to all that uh, because uh, somehow somehow you wound up in the firing lineup i I mean lp seems to like me a little bit more than he likes you
2: yeah look i mean listen first of all lp like i appreciate you, brother and and I know how hard it is. Like, it's easy to get angry, right? And, and then we open these doors to these things. This isn't the first time I've been – I've had somebody come at me for disagreeing with something that I've said or a take or, or whatever, and it's not going to be the last one. Um. And other than calling me a draftist and a pedigreeist, which I think I know what that means, so I'm going to get to that here in a minute. Um, you didn't, like, you weren't, like, disrespectful or, like, you didn't call me an idiot or anything like that. You did kind of say uh, – I mentioned I get paid to do this, which I do, but I don't get paid to do this full-time, which I wish I did. Um. But I know how difficult it is to then call back in that second voicemail and kind of, I don't want to say backtrack because you didn't really completely backtrack, but kind of, you know, make amends for doing so. So I appreciate the effort. I appreciate you putting yourself out there. And here's what I'll say uh, about this. First of all, I'm not a draftist. I'm not a pedigreeist. So what I think that means is, like, if you're a first round draft pick, I love you. If you're not, then I kind of am down on you because not for nothing, guys. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, seventh round draft pick. He's played for nine NFL franchises or 13 NFL franchises, however, however many it is. So trust me, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Not the elite pedigree in the National Football League. To to be honest, yes, I do absolutely think that Ryan Fitzpatrick would be doing a better job as a quarterback than Taylor Heineke. Now, that being said, what I, what listeners and readers, what you guys, what I would like for you to understand, you don't have to, you don't need to. What I would like for you to understand is that analysis and opinions and takes are a th- it's a 360 degree circle. What you hear in every single episode is a slice of the pie. And honestly, even if you listen to all five episodes, you're not going to get the entire pie because I'm also writing over at SportsIllustrated.com. So part of what I think about this team is being written over there. Part of it is being said here. Sometimes Chris says things that I think and I'm not going to repeat them because why would you listen to two people saying the exact same things over and over again? Right. So there is a huge dynamic of what we think about these teams. And also what you need to remember those initial analysis episodes, guys. That's that game. That's not the season. That's that game. Here's what I will reiterate to uh, to LP and anybody else out there: the New Orleans or the the Washington football team had the ball at or inside the New Orleans 35 seven times last Sunday. Their first five drives of the game ended at the New Orleans 35 or closer, which is great. They came away with 13 points. Mm-hmm. Five drives to the 35 or, or earlier or closer, they came away with 13 points. Mark, one of the callers that comes in here, guys, if you listen regularly, you've heard him, we'll tell you. Uh, Chris kind of mentioned he's kind of a coach guy versus a players guy. I am a leadership guy all the way. What I mean by that is I have my magnifying glass on leaders. That includes coaches, owners, GMs, captains, and quarterbacks. Because if you are a quarterback for an NFL team, you are a leader on that team. You want to be a leader on that team. This isn't new. Quarterbacks are leaders on football teams from Pop Warner to the Hall of Fame, period. Taylor Heineke knows what he's asking for. He knows what he's expecting. If your offense, if you get your offense right to the 35 or closer five times and you come away with 13 points, that is a failure on the offense. It's a failure on you as a quarterback, as the leader of the team and on the coaches. And you cannot turn the ball over inside your opponent's 30 inside your own 30. Taylor Heineke had two interceptions in the New Orleans Saints. Both of them came in those ends of the field. You cannot do that as a quarterback. So, yes, that game. Listen, it's a team effort. The defense lost as well as Taylor Heineke. But that game, absolutely, Taylor Heineke shoulders a lot of the blame for that loss. Even with the defensive ineptitude, even with the Hail Mary at the end of the half, Mm -hmm. even with the Deontay Harris touchdown, that is a game that Taylor Heineke could have quarterbacked them to win. In fact, if we see Atlanta Taylor Heineke, Washington football team wins that game. Now, if he comes out against the Kansas City Chiefs, guys, and balls out, trust me, you're going to hear me praise him. For that game, just like you heard me praise him for Atlanta, go back to Atlanta, LP or anybody else, and you'll hear me praise him as well. Final thing I'm going to say about this because we are uh, running long, but I wanted to address this because I love the passion, so I wanted to return it in kind, is this mediocrity on offense, guys. Go back to the five drives, go back to the seven drives. That's not mediocrity on offense. That's bad offense. This team was not built to win on bad offense. They were. I agree with you. They were built to win on average offense and great defense. They're getting bad defense, and then on Sunday they got bad offense. And as far as comparing Taylor Heineke to the greats, you guys know I covered the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Go to our postgame analysis of the, the Buccaneers barely winning the New England Patriots, and you're going to hear me and my co-host James Jarko talk about how bad Tom Brady played in that game. So believe me, I'm not a draftist. I'm not a pedigreeist. I'm honest, even if it messes you up, LP, out there in New Jersey, brother. I appreciate you coming back to us, though. I love uh, the energy. Keep it coming. Don't Don't worry about me, brother. I, I can take it. I've got thick skin. I've been yep. doing this for a long time. No, I'm sorry, I got and, you, man. And same thing for me. And I thought I was equally hard on Taylor Heineke. That's why I was surprised that, you
0: know, uh, <laughs> uh, you, you know that that some of my, you know, I because I'm I'm pretty hard on him. And you know what I on think on, did it on, Chris? on Twitter on this podcast yeah. on the radio show. If anybody listens uh, to to that, I, I mean, how you know? Look, we all understand he's in a tough spot. We all understand mm. that he's got a lot of development to go. We all understand that this wasn't the plan. That doesn't mean that we don't individually evaluate. And I'll just wrap this up real quickly like this. Taylor Heineke walked into the press conference room on Wednesday after practice. And Mm -hmm. David, he told us he was, quote, I'm pissed off. And I'm pissed and I took off. and, 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 And now I'm paraphrasing. He basically said he took off. He took his pissed off attitude onto the practice field. Uh, and into the week with him because he knows he played poorly. He knows they had an opportunity in that game. If some of the things that you're talking about, the red zone drives, where they settled for field goals, obviously the turnover, that led to them losing a game that they could have, could have won.
2: So I'm glad you mentioned that. Taylor Heineke, again, go back to that press conference. He owned and reiterated about his own play every single thing we've been saying in the media about his play. So this is not an unaware individual. I wrote for SI.com. Guys, that right there should make you appreciate him being your quarterback more than anything because that is very rare that you see that in the NFL is a player who makes these mistakes and then comes out there and openly owns them to the media. And that is a great sign that he can potentially come over them because you all know the saying, uh, the first step to solving a problem is acknowledging the problem, knowing that there is a problem uh, that exists. And then finally, real quick, what I think put the target on me, Chris, is the words, he ain't it. Because I remember saying that, he ain't it. Here's Here's another thing I'll follow up on that, though. This isn't over. The Taylor Heineke experience is not over. He's not it. As of week five, he is not it. I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now. But he's got week six, week seven, week eight, possibly week 10. We'll see what happens with Ryan Fitzpatrick. There's still time. Can Taylor Heineke become it? Absolutely. He could be. Listen, Tom Brady wasn't it in 2000 either. And then from 2001 to 2021, he's very much mm-hmm. it. So, And I'm not saying Taylor Heineke's going to be Tom Brady. <laughs> Uh this isn't over guys so again right. stick with us and just remember coverage is is a 360 degree holistic view at a team so don't take one statement one segment one clip and make a determining decision listen to the whole thing please come back here 5 days a week to hear all of it go over go over and read it but whatever time you do have just make sure like like i said uh, that you're taking in as much as you can to understand where we're coming from.
0: Absolutely. But like David, we would say, look, if you have a problem with anything we say, we're here. We're not here, to, you know, we're not running anywhere. We will let you have a voice, obviously, in the show, good and bad. We want that. Uh so and highly encourage that as long as it's reasonable discourse. Uh, by the way, guys. We want you to also celebrate freedom of choice. Did you know that Bilt Bar has so many different uh, delicious flavors? There's something really for everyone. When you talk to a Bilt Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. We tell you all the time what we love uh, here. David loves the mint brownie. I love the peanut butter brownie, but I love everything. I mean, there isn't a Bilt Bar flavor that I've had that I didn't like, and I went, eh, no, uh, n- not for me. Nope. I mean, I have my favorites, but I love them all. They are awesome. If you haven't tried all the flavors that Built Bar has, you can get a mixed box. You can combine a couple of different ways. Uh, you can get two of each flavor of the nine flavors. You can get, again, some of the specialty flavors. Whatever you want, check it out at built.com. And when you go there, you're going to also find out that they're high in protein, low in calories, low in sugar, and low in net carbs. Between four and five grams of net carbs. Replace that bowl of chocolate ice cream with a delicious built bar. Order today. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the US track and field team. Go to built.com, use the promo code locked15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use the promo code locked15 for 15% off
1: at built.com.
2: Wrapping up the week here, wrapping up this episode here at the Locked on Washington football team podcast. David Harrison, Chris Russell on Twitter at e 2 at RussellMedia621. The show is at Locked WFT pod. We're going to get into our predictions and projections for this game real quick, guys. Thursday, a new injury report did drop from both the Washington football team and the Kansas City Chiefs. We're going to kind of run down it real quick. Make sure you check out that injury report Friday. It's going to be huge and have major ramifications for how this game might end up not practicing on Thursday for the Washington football team. Offensive lineman Sam Cosme, linebacker Jared Norris, wide receiver Curtis Samuel, guard Brandon Scherf, wide receiver Cam Sims, and tight end Samus Reyes, who is a new addition as of Thursday with a tight end or a tight end uh, back injury. Limited participants were Antonio Gibson, who's actually an upgrade from not participating on Wednesday. Other limited participants, defensive tackle Jonathan Allen, wide receiver Deami Brown, linebacker Cole Holcomb, and then defensive end James Smith-Williams for the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to kind of hit on the biggest parts here, Anthony Hitchens. Linebacker was a non-participant in practice on Wednesday, limited on Thursday, so he's probably trending upwards uh, towards getting out there on the field. Tyreek Hill, wide receiver, not did not practice Wednesday or Thursday, suffered a quad injury in the Week 5 loss that they suffered to the Buffalo Bills. At the time, everybody said it was no big deal he was going to play. Keep an eye out on that injury uh, to see if he practiced because this is not a situation with the Chiefs offense where they want their main playmakers not practicing to try to get better. Chris Jones, defensive end, also a non-participant and guard Joe Tooney, non-participant for two days in a row as well. So keep an eye on that final injury report uh, to see just who's going to be playing out there because, again, those position players specifically are going to have a major impact on this game. But, Chris, let's get down to our keys to the game, players of the game, bowl predictions. I'm going to kick it over to you for your key to a Washington football team victory.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of keys, but I'll boil it down to just two. Uh, no turnovers. They had two last week. You, We just discussed them. Taylor Heineke cannot turn the ball over, certainly at the opponent's goal line, nor can he turn it over deep in their territory, period. Point blank, simple, no fumbles, no nothing. And great special teams. Last week, Dustin Hopkins was good. We know it's been a struggle for the last year and a half. He was good. They need that, and they need more, and they need great pinpoint punting from Mm -hmm. Tressway, no mistakes in that area. And somehow, some way, whether they split up Dax Milne and DeAndre Carter in terms of one take of the kick return, one take of the punt return, so it's not all on DeAndre, they need to get the juice that they got from Atlanta. Yeah on special teams a long return a touchdown return what have you could go a long way to flipping some momentum and keeping you in a game i know it's too much to ask for for a touchdown 100 yards whatever not asking for that i'm asking for a jolt of electricity short and field for your offense to cash in for seven
2: absolutely it's another deandre carter return touchdown would would make everybody happy i think. Uh, for me, keys to the game, keeping everything in front of you, looking at you, Landon Collins. I don't know why they're playing single high safety, but if they decide to do it again, if Jack throws you back there, get back there. Don't let any of these guys, because even if Tyreek Hill isn't on the field, McColl Hardman can burn a guy just as fast as Tyreek Hill can and then get off the field on third downs. Washington football team defense, the worst team in the NFL, allowing over 50% third down conversions. The Kansas City Chiefs converting the most third downs. This season, you want to know why they have a losing record right now? It's not their third downs, it's not staying on the field, it's turnovers. So, would love to see some of those for the watch football team as well. But at a minimum, on those third downs, that's where you need to see that next step in this team getting it together. Get off the field, get your offense back on the field. And then we're going to flip over to players of the game. Speaking of Taylor Heineke, speaking of making better decisions, making better throws, I want to see him do what a lot of young and a lot of inexperienced quarterbacks do. Taylor Heineke, not so young, almost 29 years old, but definitely on the inexperienced part of that whole thing. Ricky Seals-Jones, the tight end, he played 99% of the offensive snaps last week. You expect him to get a lot of snaps again this week. Want to see him connect with them? want to see him use him a little bit more. If they can get Ricky Seals-Jones going, that's going to soften up things up front, let you get J.D. McKissick and Antonio Gibson going, maybe Jarrett Patterson a little bit. If that happens, then it shrinks the defense in towards the middle a little bit more, opens things up for Terry McLaurin. Hopefully, Deami Brown uh, comes back. I'm not you know, too sure how how... Uh, realistic Curtis Samuel is, but I think it kind of all starts right there with the tight end position. So that looks at re- uh, looks like Ricky Seals Jones.
0: And remember, Dawson Knox, the Bills tight end, three catches, four targets, 117 yards, a touchdown, including a yep. long of 53 on Sunday night in the Bills beatdown of the Chiefs. I'm going to stay at tight end, but I'm going to go the opposite way. With Tyreek Hill being banged up, we don't know if he's going to play as we record this. I think he'll play, but we don't know. And with no Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I'm going to go with Travis Kelsey as my player of the game. Ten targets last week, only six catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown. But we know he can obviously stretch the field vertically, down the hashes, down the seams, going against these safeties, whether it's McCain and Collins. I mean, if, if Cam Curl's on him most of the day, I feel like they've got a chance But if it's going to be Landon Collins, if it's going to be Bobby McCain, I see broken tackles, bad coverage, bad everything uh, all the way. And I don't know if they have a linebacker. I mean, Cole Holcomb, yes. But Cole Holcomb has been at times susceptible susceptible to getting beat by the Mm -hmm. tight end, most specifically Dawson Knox up in Buffalo a couple of weeks ago. So, again, I'll lean towards Travis Kelsey as my quote-unquote player of the game. All right, David, as we wrap this up, we're also going to give you our bold prediction. This is not going to make me a lot of friends. And, uh, well, you know, um, (laughs) I struggle with putting this down. LP is probably going to fire off a a, a, a feisty email at me. My bold prediction is at some point on Sunday, either by injury or by poor performance, Mm. we see Kyle Allen replace Mm. Taylor Heineke.
2: Mm. I hope not. Um, my ball I, hope not, I hope
0: not either, but yeah. I, I mean, I wonder because, again, even in Atlanta, yeah, you know, the performance was was better, but it was mm-hmm. uneven. Right. And I, I, I wonder how long, knowing they have no margin for error, that they can stay with somebody who, quite honestly, is, is late on a lot of throws.
2: Yeah. And again, something he acknowledged himself being late on throws. You got to you got to combat that. Uh, as best you can, Taylor, and, and best of luck to you against uh, the Kansas City Chiefs there. And Tyron you are going to be back there waiting to jump on one of those late balls if it comes. Uh, my bold prediction is going to be that the Washington football team defense has three takeaways uh, oh. in this game. And again, hopefully the Washington offense can make better with those takeaways than they did uh, against New Orleans Saints. But look, Kansas City Chiefs have been struggling with turnovers. If you're Jack Del Rio and you're that Washington defense, you need to keep that party going and you need to take advantage. The mistakes are going to be there. The opportunities to get turnovers are going to be there. You just have to capitalize when it happens. So that's my bold prediction is that this Washington football team defense is going to have three takeaways. And then my score prediction, Kansas City over a BetOnline.ag is a six and a half point favorite. I think this game is going to be a little bit closer than that. I think it can be closer than that just from the talent on the field, especially if Washington can get Deami Brown back, especially if Curtis Samuel can somehow go even a little bit as a decoy. I'm not 100% confident on that, but I do have Kansas City winning, but I am going to make it a three-point predicted margin of victory, Kansas City 27-24 over the Washington football team. Ooh, All right, a close game. I think that could be
0: uh, really interesting to see develop. Unfortunately, I do not have as close of a game. I, I think Kansas City two weeks ago woke up in Philadelphia, then went back to struggling uh, last week against Buffalo. I think they come back roaring. I mean, clearly – if Tyreek Hill is out, I reserve the right to make a decision, uh, a, a change. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is out, but it's still Patrick Mahomes. It's still Kelsey. It's still Nicole Hardman, and it's still this Washington defense right now, which makes average offenses look good. 38-24 is my prediction for the Kansas City Chiefs. We want to thank Gerald, Daniel, Camion Pittman, and LP for all contributing uh, to the voicemail. And and David did a great job with the voicemail mashup, uh, trying to get as many different voices as we possibly can. So we want to thank you guys. If you want to contribute via the voicemail line, 301-615-3577, 301-615-3577. Remember to get them in right away after Sunday's game so that we can try and include them and as many as we can in the immediate analysis episode, which we do about an hour after the final gun. We want to thank you guys again for making the Locked On Washington football team podcast your first listen of the day. For your second, check out the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcast. That's going to do it for us, Washington football team fans. Thanks again for joining us. We are free and available on all platforms for David Harrison on the wftb 4 SI.com's Fan Nation. I'm Chris Russell, one half of the Russell and Medhurst Show on the Team 98 of the flagship station for the Washington football team, With Pete Medhurst. We'll be back with immediate analysis. After the Kansas City Chiefs and the Washington Football Team, right here on the Locked On Washington Football Team podcast.